Live from the 607, it's the Ocho Duro Parlay Hour, where we're talking movies, TV, comics, and more. Join in the conversation on our social media with the hashtag ODPH, because here we go. Welcome back for another edition of the ODPH Podcast, better known as the Ocho Duro Parlay Hour. What is going on, ODPH Society? My name is Ken M. Thank you for joining us this week. And, of course, in studio, as always, the co-host. His name is Padawan J. Hello, hello, hello. Folks, we have a lot to break down in the land of movies, TV, comics, and more. So definitely uh-huh. join in the conversation on social media. You can find all of our links at OchoDuroParleyHour.com. Remember to join in on Facebook, on Twitter, on Instagram. Drop some five-star reviews on Podchaser and Apple Podcasts or wherever you are listening to this fine podcast at. And remember to use the hashtag ODPH in the conversation. We have a lot to break down involving DC Comics this week, Uh but we are going to kick off with a news story that is near and dear to our hearts here at the ODPH. We have been getting a lot of inquiries. What is going on? Is this event happening? Is it not? We have some news to break down, so we're going to kick off the show talking about New York Comic Con. Yep, so New York Comic Con uh, was supposed to take place this October from the 8th to the 11th at the Javits Center in New York City, as it does every year. It's that first week of October, right, as the leaves are turning colors and they're nice and nice and cool. It's not too cold, not too hot. You know, we look forward to it every year. I know a bunch of uh, our listeners and other podcasts on the East Coast look forward to it every year. You know, and it's always a lot of fun. You know, it's not exactly as big and as glitzy and as glammy as, you know, San Diego, you know, but it's still fun. It's still it's still packs and punch. Uh, and obviously, with everything going thing going on with the C-19 and things getting canceled, it was kind of like one of the last, if not the last, remaining large convention remaining. Mm. You know, the, we were kind of waiting, and, and we had applied for press passes, God, what, back in May? Uh, yeah. We we applied for press, pass, press passes back in May, and, you know, they said, great, we received your passes, we'll notify you in, what was it, like two weeks or something like that, if you were, if you would receive them? It's usually within two, three weeks. Yeah, I forget what the what the thing said, but it, it, it told us maybe two, three weeks, you know, we'd let you know if you got them or not. Uh, two, three weeks went by, and, you know, we hadn't heard anything. Then, obviously, C-19 happened, and then we received an email towards the, mid, towards the end of June, beginning of July, saying, hey, we realize you're, and at this point, badges hadn't gone on sale uh guests hadn't been announced panels hadn't been announced you know you know big ex- exhibitors sh- uh, who were going to be there hadn't been announced you know so, but they sent out an email saying hey we realize you're waiting you're wanting to hear some updates on what's happening this year we can't give you anything right now you're gonna have to wait until the end of, you know until the end or after the end of july yeah so then flash uh forward to what was this yesterday uh, yes. Yesterday, uh, as we record, they po- New York Comic Con posted an update on their uh, website. I'll just won't read the whole thing, but I'll just kind of jump to the important part. Uh, it says, "Quote: While we'd much rather be giving you an update today on badges going on sale, it's likely come it likely comes as no surprise that New York Comic Con's 2020 physical event at the Javits Center will not be able to run as intended." We sincerely appreciate your patience as we worked with the Javits and local officials to figure out what, if anything, could go on as planned this October. Yeah, this is a tough pill to swallow. If you've been a longtime listener to the ODPH, you know that New York Comic Con is the second home for us. Mm-hmm. Pat and I have gone down multiple years. Yeah. I was going on year number eight. 
I uh, think I was going on four or five. Yeah, you're up around four or five. It, it's one of those events that mm-hmm. the energy down there to try describing it, it's tough to do because it is. It's it's like Disney World, but for for geeks. Yeah, it, it's one of those things that you know you hear if you've ever been to Disney World, you know how it is. Like no matter what's going on in the world. You set foot into Disney and you're just happy. You're you know you're in a good place. You're having fun for the day. Nothing else really matters. If you're a fan of comics, books, television, video games, anime, collecting anything you can think of that's kind of geek or nerddom, set foot into New York Comic Con. And I won't just say New York Comic Con, but any of the you know major cons: mm-hmm. Emerald City Comic Con, Salt Lake City Comic Con, San Diego Comic Con. You know, you set foot into there, and you you kind of for me, you kind of get that same feeling where it's like, all right, I'm in my happy place. This is going to be awesome. Oh, absolutely. I mean, it has always been something since the energy of of going down there. Mm -hmm. It has just been a truly incredible time to go. I mean, I remember my first time going, and Mm -hmm. I was completely blown away by it. And it's funny. My first experience actually wasn't going there for the first time. It was the year before. It was either the year before or two years before I actually went for the first time. Uh, I, I had a cousin getting married in Long Island. Uh, and I took, I was going to school at way upstate in New York, practically at the Canadian border. Mm. Uh, and I took a train uh, from Albany, New York, down to the city. And I got off at Penn Station. And I got off and I was connecting to the Long Island Railroad. And I'm seeing all of these people dressed up in costumes. And it's not like the crappy looking costumes you see in Times Square. Mm. And I'm going, and I had no idea that New York City had a Comic-Con. I knew it was San Diego, but I'd never heard of New York Comic-Con. And I'm walking through Penn Station with like, scarlet witch holding hands with wolverine and and there's a venom and there's a cap and i'm like what in the actual hell is going on here and then i saw the posters i was like oh okay well new york has been around since uh 2006 Mm -hmm. but over the past few years it's blown it has really grown into a very compatible partner with Mm -hmm. with san diego comic yeah it's a 1a 1b in a lot of eyes very much so san diego gets a lot more shine because it's movie stars and you see a lot more of the film universe exposed over there where new york is has a more television feel to it mm-hmm. uh some films but you don't have the big hall h moments per se right that marvel comics does even though they come to win new york every year and they always have a very big package mm-hmm. and to see where new york has grown from just starting in one location to now it's at the javits center it's at mm-hmm. the hammerstein ballroom it's at madison square garden mm-hmm. it has grown into a pop culture event yeah and like we touched upon, we have gone numerous times. We have met so many great people down there from other fellow podcasts to great listeners of the show who mm-hmm. become great friends. It is a bummer to say the least that this is not happening. But yeah. with everything going on yeah. with the land of C-19, we knew this was coming. Yeah, I mean, this it, it, it sucks, but at least for me, it doesn't hurt as bad as it might if i wasn't able to go for some existential reason Mm -hmm. just because i was i was amped up to go was ready to go you know ducks are in a line and then you know we weeks went by and we didn't hear back about press badges and and like there was enough time between that point in may and now here we are in august where like you you hit a certain you hit a certain point and i was like all right don't get me wrong I would like to see it happen, but the fact we're sitting here in, you know, May, June, mm. July, like I think at some point in either the middle or end of June, beginning of July, I was like, yeah, this isn't happening. Like 
badges haven't gone on sale. They haven't announced any, you know, comic writers who are going to be there or artists. They haven't announced anything for this. I'm like, this mu-. there for me, there was enough time to kind of like, you know, work through the stages of guilt or uh, stages of sadness or whatever it's called. Yeah, stages of grief. Thank you. Stages of grief to like, where like when they finally announced it, I was like, okay, kind of saw that coming. Well, I think they were waiting to see what San Diego was doing. And mm-hmm. San Diego, when they announced they were going all virtual, that was going to be the first domino to fall because mm-hmm. if San Diego wasn't running, nobody was going to be running and, right. in the normal fashion that we were going to see. So obviously how New York works is – they usually have their fan verification open for anybody who wants to attend. Mm-hmm. And then badges go on sale roughly June, July, depends on when. And they start hyping up announces or announcements mm-hmm. and, and appearances. Right. I mean, there's usually that one email that gets sent out. I forget when, but it's like, you know, hey, here's a list of who's coming. And it's like, and they start off with some of the big hitters. Like, I remember the one year it was uh cersei uh lannister mm-hmm. you know the one year they were announced that she was coming and then there was the one and i think william shatner was also coming yeah you know that that, that was that came up in an email like you hadn't received that email yet and i was like uh. yeah we all knew everybody was waiting to see and i think that everybody was watching the reaction of san diego and comic-con from home was very polarizing yeah because we really didn't know what to expect sure a lot of the feedback was it definitely was not the same as San Diego in person, which we all knew. Right, which to be expected, but... Right, but there was also a lot of criticism of how the panels were run, that Mm -hmm. there really wasn't a fan interaction. There wasn't those moments where a lot of the panels that were running at that time were taking questions from the audience. I mean, this is just some fair criticism that we've heard from fellow listeners and fellow podcasts. Sure. And it's it, they're very right. I mean, yeah. it was a different experience this year. But that was to be expected. Yeah, uh, you know, I and I'm not mad that it was different and it felt weird. Oh, yeah, and this, God, like no. I, I understand that. For me, it just felt like you kind of dropped the ball on making it kind of like a feel like a once in a lifetime experience. I agree. And they did have some problems though with the heavy hitters not showing up. This sure, year. sure. And we've touched upon that too. DC Comics is loading up Fandom for next week. Mm-hmm. So a lot of their big announcements that normally would be at San Diego, they're housing under their own event. Mm-hmm. Marvel Comics did not have the big MCU debuts or announcements that you normally do at Hall H right. or wherever the panel was going to be defined at this year. There was no big Star Wars panel. right? So for what we had at San Diego, it didn't feel like San Diego. No. It was still content, and I'm very appreciative yeah, that it did absolutely. happen. With everything going on, I, yeah. was, I wasn't mad about it, but yeah. I do understand the criticism of it. Yeah. I, I fully do. And I'm thinking that New York was sitting back and watching the reaction and saying, okay, we saw how this went. Can we make ours better? Mm-hmm. And I think that that's why we had the big delay about it. Could be. And now that we have the announcement that it's going to be going virtual, the rough draft of that has been announced. Yeah, so uh, further in the next paragraph in the sp- a statement that was put out uh, yesterday from the folks in your Comic-Con uh, goes on to say, quote, uh, NYCC doesn't stop just because we can't do what we've done in the past. Instead, we look to the future. We may not be meeting in the Q Hall each morning, but we uh, were excited to join forces with our sister event, MCM Comic-Con in London, to bring you New York Comic-Con's Metaverse, our new online portal to dedicated to delivering pop culture experiences right into your homes. 
NYCC weekend, October 8th through the 11th. But that's not even the first, the next thing that's happening. Uh, this kind of came out of nowhere, what, like mid July, end of July? Yeah, it was Something very like sudden. Yeah, the, like, out of the, like, I don't even remember seeing anything announced about this. Like, I just remembered starting to see posts from the New York Comic Con Facebook page about stuff happening. I'm like, what the hell is this? Right. That is Read Pop, not to be confused with uh, Read Pop Metaverse, not to be confused with New York Comic Con. Metaverse, it's two entirely separate different things. Mm-hmm. I know some people are getting that confused, but they're two different things. Uh, Read Pop Metaverse is taking place, surprise, surprise, this weekend. Yes. So we were going to kind of break down a little bit of what to expect from this, mm-hmm. um, which is going to be a virtual con. Yep. This is not New York Comic Con 2020. We nope. can't emphasize that enough because the verbiage that is coming out is very confusing, in, my, in our opinions. Mm-hmm. So we want to stress that this is going to be a separate event mm-hmm. and where i'm interpreting this is this is going to be the test run for what new york comic-con is going to be like this year and if you're confused or we can't explain it uh their website is findthemetaverse.com yes so pad that being said what is jumping out to you of the four-day event that is going on this weekend i mean are we talking good or bad well both uh good i mean there's some interesting stuff there's you know uh looking at uh Tomorrow, as we record, August 13th, uh, they're having a Supernatural cast reunion panel, The End of the Road. Uh, It says, join Mark Pellegrino, uh, Timothy Amundsen, uh, Osric Chow, uh, and Lauren Tom uh, for a rare Supernatural cast reunion where they will discuss the show's powerful ending and give whole new insights into their characters and Supernatural experiences. Uh, You know, so stuff like, there's some stuff, but... By and large, it's just how empty this is. Mm-hmm. Like, I was looking through there. It's going on uh, August 13th, 14th, 15th, and 16th. I'll be honest. There's a lot. There's some stuff. There's a, there's not a whole lot where, like, with San Diego's like, oh, that'll be cool. That might be fun to check out or, or read what happened from this. It's like, okay, there's one thing going on that day that's worth even checking out. Yeah, it's definitely not a big comic-con in comparison to san diego mm-hmm. and compared to c2e2 it's mm-hmm. like i say this feels like a rough draft for new york it feels very thrown together yeah it feels very thrown together which i understand they want to say okay let's see how this works and let's see how the reaction is going to be because you're still going to have that meet and greet moments but they are very very different yeah so, Pat, you want to break that down a little yeah, bit? Yeah, so they're doing uh, meet and greets. Uh, so if you go to their site or you go to you go to, you go to findthemetaverse.com uh, and then you go uh, to, I think it's guests, uh, You've under guests, and then there's a thing where it says purchase meet and greets. It'll take you to a separate site where you can purchase meet and greets with some of the folks who are going to be there. Now, it's not everybody, but it's some of the folks. Uh, you have cosplayer Annie Mia who's going to be there. You know, you can either purchase a two-minute meet and greet uh, or purchase a personalized video message, which will be emailed to you uh, by August 31st. Uh, you know, and so there's some interesting stuff there. You got comic guest meet and greets. So uh, just to name a few, you can do a two-minute, a three-minute meet and greet with Greg Capullo. Yeah. You, you can do a three-minute meet and greet with Tom King. Yeah. Or Scott Snyder. Yep. Uh, Mitch Gerards is also doing one. If you're Ken, you, you can do a three-minute meet and greet with, with Scott Snyder and Greg Capullo. There's also one for Tom King and Mitch Gerards. So, there, you know, those are some interesting stuff. You know, uh, individually, they're all running about 22 bucks to do a three-minute meet and greet. Uh, then you've got Doctor Who exclusive experiences. So uh, Karen Gillan, uh, who played Amy Pond, uh, Arthur Darvel, who played Rory Williams, 
and then are, are both doing uh, two minute meet and greets or a personalized recorded video message. Uh, their per two minute meet and greets are running one hundred and thirty seven dollars and fifty cents. And then their personalized video uh, recorded video message, a.k.a. like a cameo, if you're familiar with those, uh, are one hundred and two twenty five. So there's some interesting stuff like that. There's a looks like there's an exclusive panel they're running. It's called Introduction to Sci-Fi Fantasy Writing, which is ba- which I read through uh, before we recorded. Won't read the whole thing here, but it's basically if you've ever been interested in becoming a science fiction or fantasy writer, this is kind of a panel to help you get going and flesh out your story and your setting and really get you on the ground running. They're only charging ten bucks, so that's not terrible if you're a, you really want to be. Uh, uh, a writer yeah you know not nothing crazy you know the folks who are going to be there from the star trek picard are going to be there so you've got michelle hurd uh who plays rafi musiker uh she uh, is doing a meet, two minute meet and greet and then a personalized video recorded message uh you know also evan eva gora who plays elnor is doing all uh, two minute meet and greet and a personalized uh recorded video message and then you've got isa briones who plays soji slash sutra slash dodge doing a two minute meet and greet and then also a personalized video recorded message then you get into the crazy ones yeah so then they've got the one supernatural exclusive experiences so misha 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 collins exclusive q a the end of days uh taking place saturday august 5th 15th at 10 a.m 675 okay not not terrible not the worst no two minute meet and greet uh, Saturday, August 15th at 2 o'clock with Misha Collins, $362. Okay. A little little high. Yeah. Uh, and then he's also doing a personalized recorded video message emailed to you by September 15th, $236.50. Well, if you're supernatural like Tyler from 30 and Nerdy, I mean, mm-hmm. this might be something up your alley. Sure. I mean, depending on what your fandom is for that. But mm-hmm. that's, in my opinion, that's a lot. Yeah, uh, and then you get to the creme de la creme. Uh, Forty Misha Collins, forty-five minute, eight-on-one group meet and greet taking place Saturday, October August fifteenth at eleven forty a.m. Nine hundred and sixty-eight dollars. <sighs> I will be surprised. Uh, there will be at least a few people who oh, do that. Yeah, there'll be a few. There'll be a few uh, yeah. fan clubs of yeah. Supernatural that want to do that. Yeah. And and you know if they all want to throw in to do it, hey. I am never going to complain about somebody that wants to spend that money to meet their fans no. or meet the there's their you know heroes. Yeah, and, no, they're, they're yeah. I mean, you take a look at years past when we've gone in to New York Comic Con and mm-hmm. for how much it would cost to meet Mark Hamill. Yeah, that was a lot. I mean, I met uh, David Tennant uh, three years ago now. I want to say, and that for a photo with him was only a hundred and ten. Yeah, it was like it wasn't, and I, it was another well, hundred and ten base. But then I paid ten dollars extra to get a digital copy sent to me as well, so one hundred and twenty before tax. Wasn't right. terrible, but you have that moment where you right. meet them. I mean, like for, right. for me, I have not paid for one, mm-hmm. um, unless you count me buying a book to have sure. somebody sign. Sure, because I met Scott Snyder, Greg Capullo sure. for past six years sure i mean the first year i went i didn't do any of the meet and greets or the photo stuff just because nothing really jumped out at me mm. the first one i did was david Tennant, just because i'm going like i always went through and i always looked at him and i'm like oh that'd be fun but I, you know i just don't want to pay that price mark hamill was like 200 bucks or something yeah. like that i was you know and i was like yeah, i'd like to but you know a little tight on money don't you know don't really want to do it for me day i it was like i gotta do even my sister i told her I, the thing came up in my facebook memories the other day you know, and I sh- and I posted it on her page, and she's told me if you don't do a me- uh, get a photo meet and greet with David Tennant, I'm disowning you as a brother, <laughs> as a brother. So that to me was like, all right, 
it's $110. It's not terrible. To me, it felt like a once in a lifetime opportunity where it was like, when am I ever going to get the chance to spend, even if it's 30, 45 seconds and meet David Tennant? Well, that's the one thing about when you go to the cons and a lot of times you have to charge or you, you have to pay for autographs sure. and pay for signs. Sure. But you have those moments. Sure. Like I say, if it means a lot to you to meet somebody like that mm-hmm. and you, you don't get that chance in your everyday life. You know what? I'm not mad at you about it. It's nothing you got to hide about. Like some people get very defensive. The like, oh, they pay for pictures. It's mm-hmm. like, no. If you yeah. want to do that, yeah. be you. Like, yeah. I'm not going to judge you about it. Yeah. It's like for me, like I say, I haven't. But it's but if there was somebody there I really wanted to meet, and it was a fifty dollar sure deal. I'd go in line and do so, it. And that's the thing is like you know don't if you if you get the opportunity to do it and you can do it without bankrupting yourself. Yeah. Absolutely do it. Don't get me wrong. The Hobbits, you know, I Sam, or not Sam, uh, what's his name? Sean Astin, uh, and then Mary and Pippin, or one of the, some combination minus Elijah Wood were supposed to, uh, the Hobbits were supposed to be at New York Comic Con last year, and they were doing uh, photo ops together. Don't get me wrong. I love the Lord of the Rings movies. I love the Lord of the Rings books. Would I have, would I have loved to get my photo taken with them? Absolutely. Goddamn lootly. Yeah. But, it was a little outside of my price range. Well, yeah, you have to be practical, and yeah. especially when you're traveling down there. There's so many different vendors down at New York Comic Con or mm-hmm. any con you go to mm-hmm. that you have to be really selective of what you're buying because, I mean, you can go in there and, and completely go bankrupt if you're not paying mm-hmm. attention right. There's so much down there, I mean, along with just meeting your fellow fans. But for what you're getting here with Metaverse, mm-hmm. there's a lot of pluses, and there's there's some stuff that is a very interesting thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, the eight-on-one meet-and-greet there, I, I still, in my, my opinion, that, that's a lot. But you know what? If you are part of a, a fan club of Supernatural, I can fully see people doing See, that. the thing is, is like I've heard the name Misha Collins. I, I'm familiar with the name. I'm not familiar with the gentleman, but I've heard the name. Mm-hmm. I had saw this, and I asked you, because admittedly, I've never watched Supernatural Outside of it being on at the gym, and I just happened to look up. I had to look at you, and I go, is Misha Collins worth that much? Like, if it was the two main guys, you know, I forget their names. Jared Pilecki and uh, Jensen Ackles. Thank you. If it was those two, and it's like a 45-minute, eight-on-one group meet-and-greet with them, all right, I, I understand that. You know, it's in Star Wars terms, if it was like, you know... Hayden Christensen and Ewan McGregor or or like Ewan McGregor and, and Liam Neeson, if it's $968, I go, okay, I get that. You know, but if it's like some minor character, you know, like, like the guy who played uh, Wedge in the original films mm-hmm. along with, you know, uh, you know, somebody else from the original movies, I'd be like, really that much for them? Okay, but don't get it. Yeah, I mean, it's just something that you have to decide what you want to do with your fandom. Mm-hmm. And the fact that you're still getting the opportunities now in the COVID era, I, yeah. just, I, I really do applaud Reed Pop for putting this on and making this happen. They've always done a great job with New York Comic Con. This is going to be, though, Uncharted Waters. Mm-hmm. And I think for what they're really trying to emphasize is they heard a lot of the criticism, in my opinion, of San Diego and said, okay, how do we do this better? Uh, to me, this isn't that. I think it's going to be a work in progress because I think what they still want to try doing is for you, the fan who are not going to be able to go and sit in line and have that Mm one-on-one personal experience. Mm -hmm. What's the the next best thing? Sure. And I think to have a zoom meeting with them. Sure. That might be for two, three minutes. That might be a very big deal. Oh, sure. You know, like I say, I know for personal fact, when I've gone to meet Scott Snyder, Greg Capullo, and last year I met Mitch Gerrits and uh, Tom King Mm -hmm. and, and got my Mr. Miracle signed. It's one of those moments when you go and you and you meet those creators that have truly impacted your fandom. Sure. 
that you is indescribable. And, sure. even if, and even if you have that selective two minutes to talk and just say thank you and, mm-hmm. and get those interactions. Which, let's be honest, two minutes isn't any longer or shorter than what you would have in a normal setting. Oh, yeah, setting. A, a, absolutely. I think that's one thing we can't two stress minute, Two minutes might actually be longer than a normal setting. It, it sometimes is, depending on the lines. I mean, I know that in years past I've gone and – Depending on who you're meeting. Oh, I remember and, those. And what time? Yeah. Like, I remember though. I remember those one time we went, uh, you were in line for Snyder Capullo. I didn't feel like waiting in line just because I'm like, I don't feel like you know, we're going to walk around. I think I circumnavigated the show floor where like they were selling stuff twice, mm-hmm. which anyone who's been to New York Comic Con knows how big that is. Yeah. I circumnavigated it twice and even went up and down number of, number of uh, aisles. And you still weren't through the line yet. Yeah, because a lot of times it, it all depends. It's it's gone up different years. Like they, yeah. they allow how many times you can sign a book, and now yeah. they, they do a lot of like yeah. if you're going over the free limit, mm-hmm. you know, a lot of stuff that they to try getting the lines moving. But I will say this: for every creator I've met down there, mm-hmm. it's been a really great experience. And that, mm-hmm. I think that's one thing that we can't emphasize enough about being bummed about not going this year to New York Comic Con and, mm-hmm. and seeing our friends down there and, yeah. seeing, and meeting new creators and having that experience. The fact we're going to have to wait a year, mm-hmm. I'm not mad about because I'm hoping it'll be a safer environment. And the one thing we have to take away from this is, mm-hmm. even though we have a digital con this year, mm-hmm. you, can you just imagine walking into the Javits next year mm-hmm. when all this crap is hopefully subsided enough that mm-hmm. it's that it's becoming an afterthought mm-hmm. how intense and how much fun is new york comic-con gonna be next year? it's gonna be the same feeling i got after the year i didn't go yeah you know i there was i went the first year i didn't go the second year because i had uh, prior commitments and couldn't go and it freaking ate me alive that i wasn't there so to go back the following year after i didn't go a year was like it was like seeing a long lost friend that I hadn't seen in a number of t- in a number of years. Yeah, and I know for us last year was the first year we got to do press mm-hmm. after we just basically decided to do press without getting the official. Well, we took badge. we took a shot in the dark and was like, yeah, let's try. Yeah, but you know, for and that's one thing I'll, I'll always tell other podcasts too. If you if you don't think you got a chance, cover an event and then take your shot. Yeah, we did, and it, the it, worst thing they can do is tell you sorry. No, exactly. But we did, and it worked out, and we got to see so many of our fellow it, podcast friends down there too, and and yeah. great listeners. We yeah. met Dre down there. Shout yeah. out to Dre. Yeah, and, and in a lot of instances with press badges for cons, it's not even a case of like they may not like you or they don't think you're good enough. It's just they only have so many. Yeah, they yeah. only they only have so many, and if it's a difference between giving it to, you know, a, a publication like Nerdist or something like that, or this smaller independent podcaster. They're gonna go with the they're gonna go with the bigger guy, right? But if you really put the work in and really make yourself stand out, that they yeah. take notice, yeah, it can happen to you. So I mean, that's one thing I can stress. But overall, though, it's going to be interesting this weekend yeah. with Metaverse. Yeah, I'm going to tune in. Uh, the panels are free on the New York Comic Con webpage. Uh, yes, which is YouTube.com/slash/nycc. So it's going to be worth checking out, and then also to see. Maybe some feedback if anybody's going into the virtual meet and greets or get mm-hmm. the personalized message, see yeah. how that goes. This is where the benchmark is going to be set for New York Comic Con in October. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of the feedback that they get, one thing Pop is very, very good at is listening to the fans talk. Oh, yeah. So if the fans are really accepting of this, it'll only get better. And if fans are really not behind this, they'll definitely take the time to go fix things. Mm-hmm. I'm super, super excited about this. 
I know we're going to be live tweeting about it throughout the weekend. It's going to be a crazy weekend for everything going on, hashtag 67 podcast. But I'll be live tweeting this as much as humanly possible. I'm excited to see this. And for New York Comic Con to still be around in a digital form, I'm really waiting to see the lineup they have coming out for it. Yeah. I know it's a little too early to speculate, but I'm already calling this right now. Marvel Comics is going to have a big footprint. I would imagine so. The fact that they were not really that involved well, in I mean, San Diego. I mean, they were there, but it was like one panel. Right, right. But the fact they weren't yeah. that involved, yeah. it's it's nothing against San Diego, but Marvel Comics is New York City. Mm-hmm. Is New York Comic Con. So their headquarters are there. Exactly. Their whole universe is based in New York. Mm-hmm. To say they're not going to have a big presence is an understatement. And they're going to have arguably one of the bigger displays of the entire New York Comic Con in October. I'd, I'd hope so. I'm already going to go out on a limb and say this. I'll give you an unofficial ODPH prediction. Sure. You might see the Falcon and, and Winter Soldier first episode online. I'll, I'll, I'll make a wild prediction. You you might. They might post it for free to and then say the rest of you got watching Disney Plus. Maybe. Maybe. You're going to see something crazy like that happen. It's going to be Disney Plus, though, I think, because I, I would bank the Eternals commercial or trailer is going to come out sooner than right. October. Yeah. I'll uh, say I'm not expecting a whole lot from Marvel, you know, TV or film, you know, just because like we said in the past, Black Widow is done. You know the the TV stuff is in it. The the only thing we can really hear or see anything of is is uh, t- television. You know, Eternals I think is done, but outside that, it's really not much. No, but they are going to have something up their sleeve. Like yeah. I I just fully agree, yeah. and I think that Falcon Winter Soldier is probably the safest money bet to guess. Mm-hmm. But we're going to have to just tune in in October to find out. So for more information on the event. What is the web address, Pat? Findthemetaverse.com. And you can also check out the hashtag ReadPopMetaverse and also check out and subscribe to New York Comic Con's YouTube page. Don't miss a single minute of the Metaverse this weekend. But hit us up on the hashtag, hashtag ODPH. New York Comic Con is postponed physically. It's going to be coming digitally. We're going to get more news as the months are progressing. But what's your thoughts about ReadPop Metaverse? Are you excited? Are you not? And why? Let's have the conversation. We're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. Do you think you should go to jail if you throw a cookie at your girlfriend? Do you think it's cheating if an athlete fails a doping test, but the twist is only her boyfriend is juicing? Do you think 200 shots is too many to try to stop a robbery? What would you do if your parents burned $30,000 worth of your porn? Have you ever asked yourself this question? What the hell is wrong with Florida? Or the Rum Runners Podcast. We read the clickbait so you don't have to. We click those questionable links that pop up in your feed and let you know you want a new iPhone. Every week, we break down the weirdest and funniest of those articles. Find us on Apple, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, Anchor, and just about anywhere you find podcasts. Video versions can be found on YouTube. Just search Rum Runners. That's R-U-M-R-U-N-N-A-S. We're also available on Twitter at RumPod and Instagram and Facebook at Rum Runners. With new episodes dropping every Thursday at 12 p.m. Eastern. While you're there, don't forget to subscribe and leave a rating. This is Rich, the host of the Three Fat Nerds podcast and co-host of the Horror Zone 607 podcast. And you are listening to our hashtag 607 podcast brothers, the Ocho Duro Parlay Hour. Now kick it back over to Ken Moneybags and the crew. Coming back for the second segment on this edition of the ODPH podcast. And today, as we are recording, is another bittersweet moment in mm-hmm. pop culture history. Yep. Tonight 
is going to be the series finale of Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Talking yep. about New York Comic Con last segment, one of the first panels I ever attended was the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. panel. It's one of the liveliest I've ever been to, that's for sure. Definitely is. It's a live crowd. Maybe they'll do a send-off this year for New York. Who knows? Maybe. It's always a fun experience, though. Clark Gregg and company always pull out all the stops. Really made it a fun time to come down to the Javits and uh, check them out at the main stage. Yeah. And even when they got to uh, Madison Square Garden past years. Yeah. So, as we said, tonight, though, is going to be the bittersweet end of S.H.I.E.L.D. They're going to mm-hmm. be doing a two-hour finale. Yep. But we have to recap last week's episode to get you all caught up. So when you jump in, you're ready to rock and roll. So we are going to be talking spoilers about Episode 11, Brand New Day. So if you haven't seen it yet and you know the drill by now, we're giving you fair warning. We're talking spoilers in three, two, one. Pad, what did you think? thought it was all right. You know, penultimate episode of sorts. Thought it was setting up things kind of nicely. It was okay. Yeah, it was a good filler episode, I would say. Filler might be a strong word, yeah. but, but there wasn't a, a lot going on, per se, until the very end. No. So this is where we're getting caught up with the team that Nathan Malik's new Hydra. I don't know. We never really came up with an official name for him. No. Uh, the Brotherhood of Evil and Humans could also work, too, has been running rough shot, and they took... Uh, Gemma Simmons mm-hmm. away from the team yep. so they can figure out where Fitz is because Fitz apparently is the only person alive that can stop Malik at mm-hmm. this stage. Time travel is a weird thing. Yeah. So Fitz is lost somewhere, even though Gemma knows where he is. Yep. Hasn't said yet. But this is where we're jumping in because behind Cora, the newest in human, Quake's half sister, mm-hmm. is. Trying to win over the Shield team and saying I want to work with Shield. Is she though? Because like I, that was one of the things I couldn't quite figure out with the episode was like, is she? Isn't she? I like I realize there are you know villains and throughout comics and TV and movies that are like you can't figure out what they're doing, but I really can't figure out what she's doing. See, for me, I thought it was too telegraphed. I really did. That all of a sudden now she wants to work. And the agents are very skeptical of it, and sure. rightfully so. Uh, yeah, they bet they've uh, been through enough experiences where they know to not trust that. Right. So f- watching this unfold, it was like, okay, this is happening way too quick. Uh-huh. That suddenly you you flick the switch on, and now you want to be somebody to stop Malik, and it, it was just really, uh-huh. I don't know, like telegraphed. Like I said, nothing against Diane Doan who plays Cora. But it was just one of those opening scenes. I'm just like, okay, we all know how this is going to end. This is a setup waiting to happen. Mm-hmm. And then to flip the coin to the other members of the team, you have Souza, Daisy, and Mac deciding to go take the fight to Malik. Oh, yeah, because that's always worked well. Yeah, which it fits Daisy's character completely. Mac has gone through a heck of an emotional ride this season. Yeah, yeah. Like Daisy, I'm like, all right, this is par for the course for her this season. Souza, okay, you got feelings for Daisy, so you're just kind of tagging along. Mac, I'm like, all right, I don't hold anything against you just because, you know, everything you've gone through, I don't, you know, I can't hold it against you. No, Henry Simmons has, has done a wonderful job balancing the emotional roller coaster he's been mm-hmm. on. And to really see where he is. I don't want to say flying off the handle because I think that's very strong. Uh-huh. But to act very impulsively yeah. at this stage is really a telling sign of how things are very dire for the team. So he's very much shoot first, ask questions possibly later. Yes, but he has a shotgun axe. This is true. 
So now coming up soon uh, for an auction. I know. Anybody want to do that? Go fund me. Holler at me. <laughs> but uh, that being said, the, the team takes off to go fly into space, which you know obviously works. Sure. Uh, and of course, Malik is waiting on him because Sybil, the Chronicom leader, is working with Malik and has already given him enough information to stay one step ahead of the team at all points. Uh-huh. So I mean, this is also leading into Max's plan of we gotta go by the element of surprise that will throw her off her game. Sure. Still a very crazy move at this stage. But Malik is not too worried about them. Malik is more worried about Gemma Sims. Mm-hmm. And how can we find out all we need to know about Leo Fitz? Well, they did capture one Deke Shaw. Yep. And, you know, Deke, Deke is Deke. I mean, his character is, is just always... It's a love-hate relationship. Yeah, like certain episodes, I'm like, okay, great. And then certain ones, I'm like... So there are certain, uh, certain moments, you know, like the 80s episode where he's doing, you know, popular songs about five years before they're actually popular. I'm like, all right, that's really funny. This is really great. There are other moments where I'm like, you GD idiot. Yeah. But it's nothing against Jeff Ward. I mean, no. he plays him perfectly. It's just considering his, his character, he does do a lot of idiotic moves and trying, yeah. to, and trying to be the one-man rescue for his Nana, which is weird to say, but reasons. Yeah. It just backfires. So Malik is obviously using Deke as a pawn to get some information, but it doesn't work. And Simmons is playing very, very tough to break, and she's fighting it. Uh But when Malik tries to uh, ultimately work on uh, Simmons and extract the information, she he winds up giving her memory loss, Uh and is playing like she doesn't remember Fitz. I don't necessarily know if I buy this, though. Simmons is very, very smart, mm-hmm. and she it plays the spy game very well when she's thrusted into it. I mean, Elizabeth Henstridge has always done an amazing job as, yeah. as Gemma, but that's why I say I don't know if she's just playing dumb to everybody just to... Maybe it's a backup on top of a backup? It could be. I don't just know. Cause, just because as methodical and as calculating as she can be... You know, yeah, she's nice and she smiles at you and she'll hug you and you pat you on the back if you're having a tough time. But she's also got, like, plants on top of plants on top of plants. Yeah. I mean, that's one great thing about Simmons and Fitz is, like, they're always thinking very far in the future. So who knows Mm -hmm. what's going to happen here. So, I mean, that really holds up Malik's plan for right now. Meanwhile, back at the base, you have Cora being investigated and she is playing up the role that – well, I'm really trying to be on the good guy's side. She does kill a attacker who uh, is freed when Sybil hacks into the grid of the lighthouse security and frees uh-huh. everybody that's been captured. So at this point, you have to say, okay, well, maybe this is true. Maybe she's setting the right example. But like uh, when it all else fails, we find out that that is not the case as nope. it goes on. Because Coulson is the one that can really deal with Sybil, and I think that's going to be the ultimate showdown between those two mm-hmm. before the season's done. So Cora, though, is trying to say, well, you know, we'll be a proactive team if you allow me to be on this team. Mm-hmm. And almost it came off like early edition of X-Force, mm-hmm. you know, the, mm-hmm. when the Rob Liefeld run when they were being proactive. And they're dropping names, but... During this point, they did drop a certain name, which I am guaranteeing you will be in one of the episodes tonight. Okay. 
One Grant Ward. Yeah, heard that. There is no chance that they're not bringing him back even for a flashback scene. I'm sorry, it's, it's got to happen. Yeah. The most legendary villain of all of Agents of the S.H.I.E.L.D. Oh, yeah, no, he's out, up there. Yeah, sitting out. I mean, come on now. But May is still trying to break her down even more, and I know at one point she shows Chaying's body to her. And uh-huh. this is where <laughs> the Korra finally has her breaking moment and, and shows her true character because when Garrett – shows up and to free her yeah Cora decides to on to show her cards Uh and says nope she's with Malik since day one and when they finally make the escape all is lost for shield and Coulson and company is sitting there watching as it seems the ultimate end game is happening no pun intended with that Uh see what you did there but as Malik and company are in space a portal opens, and to the fear of the little Zephyr that is flying there. The little Zephyr that could? Yeah, or the little Quinjet. I'm sorry, it's Quinjet. Oh, uh, okay. Well, little Quinjet that could? Yeah. Souza, Mac, and Daisy are watching this armada of Chronicoms come through. Uh-huh. And with the information that Korra was working to get with Sybil, they now know where every shield base is on the planet. And I, gotta, and I love the bit of, like, double cross they do on uh malik where he's like and you've seen this in movies before where like you got the the big bad guy who's working with a bigger badder organization and things aren't quite going how they should and he goes up to him and goes hey i've got you know we need to work together and they just start like shooting at him like yeah we don't care you're beneath us and i was like ah i know nothing's gonna happen but this feels great yeah it was a really good setup and especially in those final moments where it looks like Malik has won, and they're destroying S.H.I.E.L.D. before they're even uh-huh. established. It, I mean, even though they've been around for the 1930s, as you've seen this year, the history of S.H.I.E.L.D., uh-huh. they're getting wiped out before they really make that impact in the MCU. Well, that's the thing. I know a lot of people are like, wait, well, how does this affect the MCU? Da, da, da. I think they're so far removed from the, for lack of a better term, MCU 616 timeline that it has no effect. That fit because I know a lot of people were, and myself included, were waiting for them to appear back in present day and or appear in the right time and be affected by the snap. I don't think they will. I th- I think they've jumped around so much and things are so radically different because you remember what uh, what's her name from the the, the uh, Doctor Strange took over for. I forget her name. The Sorcerer Supreme previous one. Oh, uh, Ancient One. Thank you. The Ancient One said to uh, Mark, Bru- Mark Bruce Banner in uh, Endgame. Yep. You know, you remove this one bit from time, and all of a sudden you're on a different timeline. So how many different timelines are they down now where everything is so radically different that it's not, even if they get back to present day, it's not the one they left originally. So I, 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 don't, I don't think they're going to be affected by the snap. It's tough to say because the one thing Marvel does well is for most of their timelines, there is always the linear 616 universe. Right. And then even when there's an alternate timeline, it ultimately comes back to the 616. Sure. So I, I do see your point, and I agree with you. It's They've caused so many ripple effects, you don't know what's real or not. Yeah. And I'm sure they could probably easily write it out with Thanos doing the snap, and that resets everything. Yeah. You would have to think, or when Tony does the snap, and right, that, right, that, right. that resets everything. Right. Either way, where they've been jumping around, it's tough to say how they're going to end this. Uh-huh. Because their whole identity has been based around that they've been in the MCU. Right. Obviously, now things are different with Kevin Feige running the TV show. Yeah. And however they're going to finish out this 
run is anybody's guess. Because mm-hmm. we do have the two episodes tonight. Yep. Is there any final predictions? Um, I'm going to go out on a limb and say Clark Gregg dies legitimately, like can't come back even though he's an LMD. Um, and then they're not going to go off into the sunset and be like, okay, we're going into quote-unquote retirement. It's going to be one of those endings where it's like, okay, and then they went off and they kept doing what they do. I think what you're going to have is the end-all, be-all battle. Yeah. You're going to see Grant Ward show up at some point. I, I cannot see Brett Dalton not being a part of this. You're going to see Fitz finally make his triumphant return. And it's not in a flashback. And it's not a flashback. And you're going to have the team basically be wiped off the timeline. And I think where it's going to end is Daisy is going to be sitting in a room or somewhere, and you'll see her remember what happened, Mm -hmm. but everything has been changed. And that's what it's going to end. That she'll be the one to be the catalyst for the new shield, Mm -hmm. whatever that version is going to be. It's really unpredictable to think of what they're going to do, even though, I mean, we can kind of guess it as best we can because with the future of S.H.I.E.L.D. being wrapped up tonight, it's going to be really puzzling to see where everybody goes from here because there's been rumors we've heard about the Secret Warriors project. Right. Obviously, Daisy Johnson is a part of that universe. Mm -hmm. Is Chloe Bennett going to be there? We haven't heard. I know that she's she's been very vocal. She'd love to stay on and, and be a part of that. Sure. Who knows if Phil Coulson is going to be brought into the MCU? And we I mean, we're how many years removed from him, quote unquote, dying and then coming back, and they still haven't mentioned him being back. Right. I think at this point they're just going to, you know, close that book. But you never know. Like I, for a new show like that, they might be willing to bring back maybe him and Daisy. I think maybe. I, I mean, I'd love to see most of the team come back too. I just don't think it's going to happen. No. So that being said, I expect all the stops to be pulled out tonight. I expect a lot of emotional moments. I expect some of the team members to get killed off. Mm-hmm. I think this is going to have that season five finale feel to it. Probably. On top of whatever drama you can add to. It'll be a great way to send off Marvel's MCU voyage with ABC. Mm-hmm. And then where the future goes from here is anybody's guess. This is true. But hit us up on the hashtag. Hashtag ODPH. Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. It's going down tonight. We are going to be covering it next week. But if you can't wait... On the East Coast Avengers YouTube page tonight, immediately after the final episode, there is a big crossover going on involving the ODPH, East Coast Avengers, Wednesday Pull, and you don't know who else is going to be stopping by. So if you're not subbed to the East Coast Avengers YouTube page, get subbed. Don't miss a minute of the action. As soon as that episode is done, we are going live to give our official instant reactions to the show and then definitely tune in next week to hear everything the ODPH is going to be breaking down about Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. But hit us up on the hashtag. We're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. My name is Paige, and I'm the host of Reverie True Crime. Reverie means to daydream, but even daydreams can become nightmares. Come join me and get lost in horrific reverie about true crimes and eerie events. Reverie True Crime Podcast, available wherever you stream your favorite podcasts. Hi, this is Jimmy Gazdick from Crimson Brethren and Floodlands, and you're listening to ODPH. 
Coming back for another segment on this edition of the ODPH podcast, and it is a very bittersweet week here on the ODPH. Mm-hmm. One of my favorite shows had its season finale, mm. and that is DC Universes slash CWs. Soon to be CWs. Oh, yes. We'll get into that for uh, one shots. Yeah. We we were debating about opening up about that and d- deep diving in that with everything going on in New York Comic Con, but just couldn't do it. So trust us, we're going to have a lot to say about that when we get to one shots, but for right now, we got to talk about Stargirl. Mm-hmm. The surprise hit of the DC Universe. Yeah. It definitely has been a hit for the CW. It has been renewed for season two. So everybody's question going into this week is, how is it going to end? So I am going to be talking spoilers. You know the drill by now. So in three, two, one, what did I think of Stars and Stripe Part 2, Episode 13? I thought it was damn good. It was... Everything you wanted from a finale. Mm-hmm. Albeit, though, there were some elements that I could have kind of done without. Sure. Uh, but, like I say, there was more good than bad, so we'll just jump right into it. Because right now, this is where the Injustice Society has finally had the new Justice Society of America on the ropes. Mm-hmm. The plan for New America has taken over. Brainwave has been slowly brainwashing everybody in multiple states to reprogram everybody and just basically be mindless slaves under the Injustice Society. Sure. Our team has been trying to break in and stop everything going on, but unfortunately, if it's a fully developed mind, they've already been taken over. So this takes out Stripe, the one and only Luke Wilson, who plays exceptional on this finale, to Barbara, played by Amy Smart, Mm -hmm. and the Shining Knight, who (laughs) is still one of my favorite characters, and I can't wait to see him come back next season. Uh, he's already kind of won me over just with he drops those one liners out of nowhere. And where that we pick right up is where Stripe is having the fight with Stargirl because he's possessed. And it's a very cool moment where they have this going on. And you can definitely tell this the action choreography has been very on point for this show. Mm-hmm. I will say there there is times where you can see them doing some extra flying in midair mm. that you can tell just sure. a little too much. It's like okay, sure, sure. everybody's here. But it's one of those cool moments, like when they start doing their fights, it does build up very well. Though you do see that eventually Stargirl does wind up getting uh, the team, or Stripes actually freed up. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's kind of, because if you're fighting the brainwashing, it's only hurting you, and there's like a 25% chance of everybody's brainwashed is going to get killed off. Right. So that's another reason everybody's really stepping up. So when they get really rocking and rolling, though, is when they have their meetup with the Injustice Society. And it's kind of comes across as the Civil War feel. Like mm. you remember seeing when Team Cap and Team yes. and uh, Team Iron Man were running at each other? Yep. Same kind of vibe happens. Okay. Because Makes sense. once everybody gets freed because Dr. Midnight has a very cool moment in the series and sets up for a rogues gallery. Angelica Washington had, I will say, arguably her best episode this, sure. this one. Because she is going one-on-one with the gambler who is sitting there behind the computers and really trying to take full advantage of New America. And where she she winds up going at him is to get him distracted, she hacks into his bank accounts. Oh, geez. And starts giving all his money away to charity. So it's a very cool back and forth going on between Eric Goins and Angelica Washington for this episode the past two. I can't wait to see more of that next season because it was definitely a cool moment to see. But once everybody is having their moments too, and you see 
the Injustice Society show up, uh, Sportsmaster and Tigress are fighting, and you see the rest of the team is finally freed up. This is where stuff gets wild. And this is where everything really picks up because once you have the gambler realizing everything's falling apart, he frees Solomon Grundy. Oh, that's always a good idea. So we finally see the real Solomon Grundy in all his CGI. Yeah, and it was a definitely cool moment. And during the fight scene, too, you see that the Shining Knight is having the big sword fight with the Dragon King. And who winds up getting freed and doing the unthinkable? Shiv, the Dragon oh. King's daughter. And what does he want, or what happens to him? She kills him. Oh, boy. Outright. Oh, boy. So definitely builds off more of that. And you can definitely tell that Shiv is going to be a major factor going into next season, which I love. I thought Meg did an amazing job playing her this year. And you can definitely see that she went away. From, even though she's still the mean girl, oh. she definitely has that super villain campiness mapped down to the character. Sure. So Meg DeLacy, like I said, I thought she did an amazing job this season with Shiv. And where they're going, we'll get into a little later in the show. But as they're building off that, you see that there's just amplified of the moments going on here. That you see Wildcat is breaking away to try stopping the satellite from blowing up. And there's a, a segue where she's running in a hallway and she's fighting off the Dragon King's drones. Mm. And then all of a sudden, one of them reveals his mask and it's Henry Jr. Uh-oh. Who apparently is alive. Except that Wildcat is onto something a little that Brainwave says. Okay. Or Brainwave Jr. says. And says, well, where, you know, take me to where your friends are. Mm. And immediately you see Yolanda just pause and then she slits his throat and she goes they were henry's friends too Uh oh and it turns out that that was brainwave one who had left the room Uh because he had it going on autopilot for the new america project Uh to go confront and stop the team and he let his guard down and yolanda slit his throat and kills him outright oh geez and one of the wilder moments that you just did not see coming but it was so well done, too. And another moment that was very well done is you had the fight scene between Solomon Grundy and Stripe, who is sitting there and is trying to go one-on-one with Grundy. And you see Grundy is just ripping the suit apart mm. and is no match. But our man has finally had the showdown he wanted. And they have a great standoff battle. Albeit, though, the ending was, a, I guess I would say it was a little bit of a letdown. Okay. Because our man just is beating the holy snot out of him. Mm. And his whole thing is, you killed my parents, I want revenge, and he's driven. And then he's like ready to finish him off, and you see that he basically breaks Solomon Grundy down into a child. That Grundy is like has his hands up covering in fear. Oh, jeez. And then all, like, all of a sudden he's like, Rah! and then he throws a stone away that he's going to ready to impale him and, like, and sets him free. Which I... I didn't necessarily like how that ended. I thought it was like, okay, this is really a letdown. Like you're gonna sure. let the, you're gonna let the guy go after all he's done to you. Sure. But if it's gonna set up for something next year, sure, keep it going, and we'll kind of go from there. During this entire time, too, you see Icicle is making his big last minute plan that he sees everything is falling apart uh-huh. because his satellite is now destroyed because Stargirl and Wildcat just go at ease too, by the way, and destroy the satellite, which came up through the middle of the football field. Right. We have to remember this too. 
that even though everything has been going on with this world domination thing, it still happened in small town America. And you see there's nothing wrong with a giant satellite emerging from a football field. Mm -hmm. And Stargirl just destroys it with these, which I thought was kind of a letdown too. Because you would figure with such a devastating device, how would you let an amateur get to it and blow it up? I don't know. I, I just kind of thought that was odd. But when all this is happening, you see Icicle is breaking away. He winds up finding... Barbara and Dr. Midnight and destroys Dr. Midnight's goggles. Mm-hmm. So this is where it's going to be interesting next season. I would imagine that they're going to reboot Dr. Midnight a little bit and, and, yeah. and update the goggles. Yeah. But this is definitely a turning point because he takes Barbara hostage at this point. Oh, jeez. Yeah, which I thought was a really hmm, interesting moment because you've now seen a lot of emotion from Icicle, which you right. hadn't seen prior. Right. And it was really telling to see because it just had when the desperation of his plan came through Mm -hmm. that he had nothing left. And it was just going back and forth between like anger and and wanting to succeed. And and it was a fair balance too. like I said, Neil Jackson played a a great character of Icicle the entire season. Mm -hmm. But you definitely did see a little back and forth of like, was he mad at Barbara or was he trying to to win her on his, his side? And, like, there was one moment, too, where he gives her, like, a weird hug because he's, he's just babbling, like, I could have saved the world. Like, yeah. if, if you listen to me, I could have cured cancer. I could have cured this. And, and, like, we had the plan mapped out. And it's so manic in how he's talking. And yet it seems like he's trying to win Barbara over, but it just doesn't happen. And at this point, he tries throwing her off the edge, but Pat saves her. It leads up to this big battle, which I have to say this was another disappointing scene. Mm. Because there's a big battle going on with Stargirl comes flying in to stop Icicle. Icicle falls, like they're battling on a rooftop. They, he winds up falling off. She winds up falling, but Wildcat catches her. Mm-hmm. And everybody was kind of saying, oh, Wildcat can survive jumping off a, a building. It's like, if memory serves me right, Wildcat has nine lives. So you can kind of see where that power is coming in. But when Icicle falls off the roof after he's been the big bad, he wiped out the Justice Society. He's in full Iceman mode. Like, that's what he looks like. Mm. Pat, do you want to guess how he got taken out? Uh, no idea. Mike, the little brother, comes driving with a truck and hits him and shatters him. Oh, jeez. And I'm going, wait, hold up. This is how you're going to write off? It was like when the late Bill Paxton was killed off in Agents and S.H.I.E.L.D. Okay, yeah. You remember how, like, he was the big bad for that good three-episode three, yeah. three episode stretch. Yeah. And then Clark Gregg hits him with a laser, and he's gone. Oh, yeah. Okay. Gotcha. Same kind of vibe. Gotcha. To the letter. And I'm like, ah, I, I, I did not like that happening too much. But mm-hmm. it is what it is. The gambler, though, does clear the ISA's uh, files, though, from the computer okay. before he takes off, which is going to be a plot for next season, too, because as far as we can tell, that we still have the gambler is running loose. Sportsman and Tigress, I believe, are still lurking around somewhere. Like, we didn't find, like, where their final story was at. Mm-hmm. But where they're going to go with reforming the ISA is going to be really fun to see because okay. you do see that Shiv is still lurking around. And I'll get to where she is in a second because after all this fighting happens, too, I know I'm jumping around a little bit, but there are so many different parts happening after the big battle. Mm-hmm. That I don't want to say it kind of reminded me of like, you know, when I've come, I've talked about Titans for the yeah. DC universe. Yeah. 
where you have those big moments and they're done too early. And then you have this, that little gap for like the rest of the episode where you're like, okay, this could have been part of something else. Yeah. You almost have that happen here because there's like some cliches, at least to me it felt very cliche, where you have the team is after everybody has the final battle and, and they're dealing with the ramifications of it, you have the Shining Knight is taken off to find the rest of the Seven Soldiers of Victory, which is a cool moment too. Like he And you can definitely tell he'll be back next season, which I definitely want to see. You see that they jump forward a little bit, and it's Christmas time. Mm-hmm. And you see Stargirl take off, and she's flying to the water tower with Stripe, and they have like this real cool sit down moment after having like the finally like she accepts him as her dad. And like I say, it was kind of the cliche way to tie up the season, so it wasn't like a big like okay, we really needed to see this. Mm-hmm. But I understood the purpose for it. wasn't mad about it. it. Just I thought it took away a little too much. Like sure, they could have summed up. That's where I'm going with this. But how they leave it off, they crank back up the intensity of where they're going for next season. Okay. Now, if you follow the Justice Society or Starman, you know the villain Shade. Well, Shade makes his appearance in this. That when they write off of how the ISA's uh, New America plot was written off as an earthquake, Mm -hmm. you see that now that he's in the uh, main villain room that was underneath the Dragon King's building... And basically saying, all right, now it's my turn. Like one of those moments. You do go flash forward to Civ 2 as well. And she is going through the Zarix storage units. Mm-hmm. And she finds a gem. Now, if you're not familiar with DC Comics, you might not know what this gem is. It is the gem of Eclipso. Mm. Pat, do you know who that is? No. Very big bad guy. Um Definitely had a very good run in, like, the 90s and 2000s um, mm-hmm. during that time period. A very powerful villain. So excited to see that they're going to try introducing him to the show. Mm-hmm. So that will be some fun moments happening. But then it ends with one of the bigger cliffhangers we've seen. We flash forward to California, and you see somebody show up at Barbara's old apartment. Mm-hmm. And they're asking about Pat Dugan. Yeah. And the whoever's the resident says, well, Pat's not here. He, he moved a long time ago. And you find out that that gentleman is none other than the original Starman played by Joel McHale. Oh, wow. Sylvester Pemberton, who was apparently killed at the beginning of the show. So if he's looking for Pat Dugan, he's alive. Mm-hmm. Where do we go from here? Overall, I loved it. I loved the episode. It did enough that it won me over. Um, Like I say, what they did well is they had those big moments, and especially for the CW to have major ramifications going on, like Wildcat avenges Brainwave Jr. by killing Brainwave. I didn't see that one coming. And then you see Shiv has ascended herself into... I guess you would say the new leader of the ISA Maybe. or whenever the, she teams up with Shade there. That's going to be a fun go around. So many little Easter eggs, too, with the DC universe. Because mm-hmm. now that you're going to get Eclipse, I'm very curious how they're going to do that for season two. Right. That's what I said. When you got Shade now involved, you're doing the Seven Soldiers of Victory, which I'm assuming you're going to see more of them come into play, plus the rest of the JSA that we haven't seen. Like I say, I have not heard anything about casting for 
Alan Scott or Jay Garrick. Mm-hmm. So if anybody set me up about that, I don't know anything either. I'm going to know when you know. We might hear something at Fandom, possibly. Probably. But overall, though, for the show, it was a surprise hit that I didn't expect to really like as much as I did. Well, no, and it definitely did well. I, while you were uh, recapping, I looked up some ratings. Uh, did real well for the ratings uh, for CW. Uh, it averaged uh, 946,000 viewers uh, for its entire season, which looked up the other uh, Arrowverse shows. And it does very well when you compare it to the other Arrowverse shows. So all the DC cw properties uh factored in uh and these are all last season numbers courtesy of nielsen uh that i found on tv series finale.com uh for last season the flash finished number one averaging 1.258 million viewers okay uh, uh, batwoman finished in second averaging 0.995 million viewers uh after that was uh star girl which finished uh, third with 0.946 million viewers. After that was Arrow, uh, which finished with 0.838 viewers, million viewers. And then after that was uh, Supergirl, which finished with 0.835, or excuse me, 0.837 average million viewers. And then after that was DC's Legends of Tomorrow, which averaged 0.764 million viewers. And then you had Black Lightning, rounding them out, averaging 0.655 million viewers. See, that's not too bad for being a real surprise that you weren't really supposed to have. No. And and taking a look at the rest of the shows, I mean, The Flash, we've gone over enough that Mm -hmm. they got to do a big reboot or or come up with something new there. Batwoman, that's going to be a whole new ball game when that that re-debuts in 2021. But for Stargirl to take number three, that's a real telling story that for this show that wasn't expected to be there. Yeah is now a surprise hit. And, and I'm looking at the ratings. Debuted very well. You know, first episode back on uh, May 15th, mm-hmm. uh, or 19th, excuse me, aver- uh, brought in 1.224 million viewers. Held pretty consistently. You know, a uh, little over 1.1 million viewers for episode two. Dropped a little bit for episode three, uh, just under a million viewers. Went right back up the, for episode four with uh, just over 1 million viewers. And then for episodes five, six, seven, and eight, uh, all averaged over nine hundred thousand viewers. Uh, and then it dropped to, and then it started dropping a little bit. It dropped to eight hundred thousand viewers, a little over eight hundred thousand viewers for episode nine, uh, a little over seven hundred and sixty thousand viewers for episodes ten, uh, seven hundred and thirty-eight thousand for episodes eleven. But then it went back up for episodes twelve and thirteen with eight hundred and thirty-two thousand and then eight hundred and sixty thousand respectively. Well, one thing too you got to factor in is how many other people were watching the DC universe for the day before, right? Because I know I do that. I Dre does that too, right? Um, Which those numbers do not factor into Nielsen ratings, right? So next year I think will be even more of a telling, yeah, because the word of mouth of this show has been pretty positive from other podcasts we talk to, other listeners. It, everybody seems to really like it. I mean, it's it's for some people, it's not a complete home run, mm-hmm. but I get it. But what I appreciate of it is it has that old school feel to it, that sure. modern retro, which I always reference. Sure. And it's something that I wasn't expecting it to be as good as it was, and maybe that's what's blowing me away more, that to do a teenaged version of the JSA, who are the oldest heroes in the DC universe, in my opinion, mm-hmm. It's a really unique concept to try doing and to see where they're going to go with it for next season. They've tied in enough of the DC universe, not the streaming service, but the actual comic universe, 
that there's a lot of great stories they can run with. Oof. And if they're going to get a full season on CW, because they usually run 22 episodes, right? how is that going to change the dynamic? Or are they going to be running a split season and do another 13? I think it works in 13s. Mm-hmm. I'm not mad about that. No. But I can understand they want to do 22, but I think the problem you're going to have is unless you have a hero that has a very big rogues gallery, mm-hmm. it's tough to pull that major bat off for 22 episodes. Arrow had done it very well, and they also failed doing it well. Mm-hmm. Same can be said for Flash. It's the season three curse, as I talk about often on the show. Yeah. So where Stargirl is going to have to really find its its niche now is you're going to be on the CW. The budget's going to be different. Yeah, very different. So I don't necessarily know where they're going to go with the striped costume. Who knows? The armor. Who knows? Maybe CW shoves out the budget for them. Or... Do they have a deal that they'll show it right on HBO Max after it's done and they keep the budget? I mean, it's it, there's a lot of different possibilities that we can go through. That's one thing yeah. I, I'd love to ask. Yeah, or, or maybe even Warner Media. You know what? Hey, CW will give you the budget you do, but we'll give you some extra cash for the special effects. Yeah, because the one thing they're going to have to really use it on is the stripe armor suit. Yeah, because just because I can't I, – I understand there's be some people who don't care and it doesn't matter to them, and, you know, as long as the story's still good. If there is a drastic drop off in, you know, I don't want to say quality, but just this, the special effects, mm-hmm. I think it's going to turn off a lot of people. Oh, I do too. I think that now you've set a very high bar, mm-hmm. and for the special effects you get, you can definitely tell there's a difference in the shows. Yeah. If you take a look at that, and then you watch Flash. I mean, sure, they yeah. do have special effects. Yeah, but, yeah. But it's a distinct difference. Well, and even even look at like the Star Wars movies. You know, when the original movies came out, and then you had the prequels come out, and people were, you know, you had a lot of people going, "Oh, that's not my Star Wars. It's too pristine. It's too clean. It doesn't look anything like like I remember." Yeah. You know, the, you can almost think the same thing's going to happen here, where that's not what I remember. This isn't my Star Girl. Yeah. So it's going to be really telling to see when it gets announced, and we see the first trailer for next season, yeah. whenever that's going to be. I haven't heard anything about it. The season just wrapped up. But for Breck Bassinger and company, they made a great story. It kept me engaged. They did enough that you would be able to jump in, understand characters' motivations, good or bad, and really told a great story. And at the end of the day, that's what you want from your superhero shows. You don't want it to be so caught up in the glitz and the and the quick you know flashes mm-hmm. of CGI that you forget, okay, where are these characters at and what's their motivations? They did a great job establishing that. And I think that's why this show really connected as much as it did. So now season two is going to happen. We don't have a timetable yet. Correct. So if you haven't seen Stargirl yet, I'm really stressing you to give it a shot. It's going to be streaming now on the, on the CW app. If you are still a member of the DC Universe, you can watch it until wherever the future is going to hold for that. Either way, get on board now. Check it out. It's going to be a great show to kind of tide you over till the return of the CW shows, whenever that's going to be. But at least we'll have something to look forward to next year. Hit us up on that hashtag, though. Hashtag ODPH. Stargirl season finale. What did you think? Did you love it? Did you hate it? And why? Let's talk. We're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. Hey, what's going on, everybody? This is George Gatton, and you are listening to the Ocho Duro Harley Hour Entertainment Edition. Coming back for the final segment here on the 
ODPH Entertainment Edition. Yeah, I got something to mention uh, before we get into those one shots. Something near and dear to our hearts, and hopefully, Absolutely. hopefully, something you can help out with. Uh, our good friend of the show, George Gatton, uh, wrestler extraordinaire, friend of the show, friend of a lot of people here in the six hundred seven, uh, is running a sale on his website, georgegatton.bigcartel.com, uh, where he is selling a. A Lebanon shirt uh, for twenty dollars, with all proceeds going to help out the current situation going on in, in Beirut, Lebanon. For those who don't know, George is Lebanese himself, so mm-hmm. he's got deep family. I'm pretty sure he still has family over there. Yeah, he does. He's got family over there, so he's got, he's got a deep personal interest in wanting to help the people out there. So, if you are looking for a way to help out those in Lebanon. Go to georgegatton.bigcartel.com to purchase a T-shirt. 100% of the proceeds from buying this T-shirt are going to get donated to help those uh, who need it over in uh, Beirut, Lebanon. Yeah, it's an absolutely great cause. Our our thoughts and and energy is out to everybody right now, Mm -hmm. affected by the terrible tragedy. And and kudos to George. If, if 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 you've never met George... He is one of the biggest hearts you'll ever meet. Yep. Um, he's been very gracious about a few other situations. He always gives a lot of his energy to really try, mm-hmm. you know, helping people out yeah. in situations. He's got a big heart. He's got a very big heart. So we're going to post that link in the show notes mm-hmm. for this episode. But if you want to pick up a cool shirt, I know it's Cool cool Tea Thursday yeah. coming up from uh, our friends over at Talking Shiz. This would be something to definitely wear on there and definitely promote. So let's try making that happen. And yeah. uh, shout out to George. He's long overdue to make a return on the ODPH. Hmm. So I know he listens. I know he's a subscriber. So, George, let's uh, chat sometime soon, hey? Yeah. So let us get back into the news, though. And yeah. unfortunately, we're kicking oh. off one shots and oh. one of the most. Oh. Yeah, there's no easy way to describe it. I kind of alluded to in the first segment, and, yeah. and the more we got rolling about metaverse, I didn't want to even go near this subject until yeah. we had a, a, a second to digest and and really wrap our heads around this. Yeah, so, Pad. Yeah, so the news came down on Monday that there was a huge layoff uh, from DC Comics and DC Universe, uh, according to the HollywoodReporter.com. Uh, reads, quote, Monday's Warner Media layoffs have affected a significant number of high-level figures at comic book powerhouse DC, multiple sources tell The Hollywood Reporter. Among those said to have said to be losing their positions are editor-in-chief Bob Harris, senior VP of Publishing Strategy and Support Services, Hank Canales, VP of Marketing and Creative Services, Jonah Wyland, VP Global Publishing Initiatives and Digital Strategy, Bobby Chase, Senior Story Editor Brian Cunningham and Executive Editor Mark Doyle, who oversaw the rollout of the Black Label graphic novels. Jim Lee remains the CCO. Uh, Roughly one-third of DC's editorial ranks are being laid off, according to sources. Insiders also say the the majority of the staff of the streaming service DC Universe has been laid off, a move that had been widely expected as WarnerMedia shifts its focus to the new streaming service HBO Max. Quote, uh, DC Universe was DOA as soon as the AT&T merger happened, said one source. So a little bit of a black Monday there. Yeah, this Ooh. this was definitely not the news you want to hear, especially anybody losing their jobs right now with the COVID pandemic going on. Mm-hmm. You don't wish that on anybody. You might not be a fan of somebody's work, but you definitely don't want to see them in this kind of situation. No. And especially this is 
not too long ago since Dan Diido uh-huh. uh, or Dan Dio. Uh-huh. Sorry, I always mess up when I pronounce that name. Uh, was let go from DC as well, and this is just another very big shakeup for DC. Yeah, and I know that plans for doing the what five G generations. If I read correctly, uh-huh. that is off the table now. Yeah, Jim Lee is still remaining as CCO, which yeah. which is a good thing. Yeah, but the big takeaway from this is. The DC Universe we've alluded to. Um, we're, we're quite sure what the future of it was once HBO Max got announced because, you know, with, when they were saying all, all of Warner Media is going to be on here and you're like, all right, what's this mean for DC Universe? And, you know, we kind of thought we had an idea with, oh, it seems like they're going to let the two coexist with, with Doom Patrol Season 2 premiering on both services uh, simultaneously. You know, and then they started moving some stuff over. I know the Harley Quinn animated series got moved over there, you know, and just some other stuff got started getting moved over there. It was kind of like, all right, the writing might be on the wall here. And then down came this news. Yeah, it definitely was a, a, such a huge shakeup. And for DC Universe, we've alluded to that it wasn't looking good. No. And especially when it was announced that Doom Patrol was getting announced Basically, for HBO Max. It was going to be on DC Universe, but you never really heard a hype behind it. Right. And then it was announced uh, very quietly that Titans and Harley Quinn changed their Facebook names. Uh-huh. To I, yeah, just, I noticed that. Just to DC's Titans, DC's Harley Quinn. So with that being said, you knew there was going to be kind of some issues going on. When Stargirl was announced as a split show on both CW and DC Universe, it Raise some eyebrows. Like, I thought it was going to be just for a nice signal boost. Albeit, though, is now officially getting moved there. It won't be on HBO Max. Right. And we had not really heard too much going on with the DC Universe since. We know the DC Daily was canceled. Right. We have not heard about any new programming that was supposed to be debuting um, as far as a release date for Titan Season 3, right. Young Justice. Uh, there's rumors that there's going to be a new season of Young Justice announced at uh, Fandome. But speculation, obviously, before all this happened, was that it was going to be on HBO Max. Yeah, so for the DC Universe, I mean, the writing's on the wall. Yeah. I know that they have a deal right now where you can do a a package deal like Mm -hmm. Hulu, Disney Plus, and ESPN Plus for the DC Universe app. And if they can somehow tie in the comics library to that, I think that would be a a great way to, to, I don't want to say finish it because I'm not wishing that, but... Obviously, the writing has been on the wall, and yeah. I think it's going to get morphed into there. Yeah. So as long as the comics library is still there, because I know a lot of people use that for their fandom and sure. and you know have that taken away, I think it would be a a very very bad move. But yeah, I understand why. Yeah. Because it has not been the gangbuster subscription service that I think they thought it was. No, be. and especially I was reading reports the other day that you know AT and T. Uh, with the merger and everything else is something like $200 billion in debt. So Ooh. that's why th- with talk of them, you know, a couple of weeks ago or months ago, we were talking about them looking at selling the Warner game division. And now this, it's kind of like, oh, yeah, that's, this is why they're doing that. Yes. But it's just absolutely crazy here about the layoffs happening and, mm-hmm. and especially too, with, with how well the, the DC black label has been yeah. accepted. Yeah. Uh, you know, with their editor now gone, it's like, there's a lot of uncertainty going on in here. I mean, I know yeah. cheers of comics has talked about it a lot. Uh, I know our, our good friend, Justin over at sound around has, has made a couple posts here and there. It's, it's going to be a very, very 
compelling time yeah. for DC moving forward. And hopefully everybody that was let go can, can you know, find quick work again and, and get back on, mm-hmm. you know, especially, you know, if they're going to be doing a lot more independent comics, definitely if you've been a fan of these creators, support them. Yeah, go, absolutely. Go pick up their stuff. Yeah. Oh, man. That's, yeah, just hearing about that was just like, what? Mm-hmm. And, and yeah, still still in shockwaves. And going into DC fandom, too. I mean, yeah, the timing. Like two weeks before. Yeah, the timing hey, about this. Hey. Is, yeah. I, Time and place. Yeah, I know. Like, it, it's tough. So if fandom wasn't a must-watch event, yeah, uh, you're going to see the ramifications or whatever the new course of action is going to be for DC Comics mm-hmm. happening that week. So yeah. we're definitely going to deep dive into that on next week's show. So, man, that mm-hmm. being said... What else you got? Yeah, uh, we got some disappointing news for uh, the Avatar The Last Airbender live-action series. Uh, it was announced today by original series creators Michael Dante DiMartino and Brian Konitzko are no longer involved with the live adaptation. Uh, DiMartino posted an open letter on his personal website uh, saying, quote, When Brian and I signed on to the project in 2018, we were hired as executive producers and showrunners. In a joint announcement for the series, Netflix said that it was committed to honoring our vision for this retelling and to supporting us on creating the series, and we expressed how excited we were for the opportunity to be at the helm. Unfortunately, things do, did not go as we hoped. And who knows? Netflix's live-action live adaptation of Avatar has the potential to be good. It might turn out to be a show many of you end up enjoying, but what I can be certain about is that whatever version ends up on screen, it will not be what Brian and I envisioned or intended to make. Uh, close quote. So, real disappointing news because, as a lot of people know, Avatar: The Last Airbender was a uh, animated series that originally debuted on uh, Nickelodeon way back in I want to say like two thousand five, two thousand three, mm-hmm. yeah, back, something like that, somewhere back in there. One of the highest rated most praised animated shows of you know modern times you know much very beloved when it got added to netflix back in like june i want to say it was in the top 10 you know list on netflix for like a solid month it like it was number one for a solid few solid weeks if not for like a month so very much beloved and i remember when this got announced there were a lot of people because i do love avatar i am an avatar the last airbender fan well, you know, when this live action series from Netflix got announced, I'm like, okay, been down this road before. I, re- I remember going to see the M. Night Shyamalan movie, which was god fucking awful. <laughs> it is atrocious. It is a piece of hot, steaming garbage that, you know, take, take your, if you've never seen it, don't. But just to compare it, if you have a television series that you are a big fan of and you really love, Picture that first season being condensed into like an hour and 45 minutes. Yeah. It's not good. No. So when they announced the series initially, I was like, okay, been here before. Not real gung-ho about this. But then they announced the original creators were going to be involved. Because the original creators had absolutely nothing to do with the movie. They got credits on it, but that's because they're the creators. Right. So... I'm very skeptical skeptical about this, you know, now that they're not involved. And I got to admit, any excitement or anticipation I had about this is, you know, out the window. Yeah, this is definitely a deflating blow mm-hmm. to the show. Um, I, I am not a huge Avatar fan, but sure. when, when every, anytime you have the original creators involved, yeah. who knows them better? So to see him walk away like this, that's not a good look. Yeah. 
very, very skeptical of what the future holds. Yeah, Netflix is trying to do damage control, putting out a statement saying, quote, we have complete respect and admiration for Michael and Brian and the story that they created in the Avatar animated series. Although they have chosen to depart the live action project, we are confident in the creative team and their adaptation. Uh, close quote. Uh, a spokesperson confirmed DiMartino and Konitzko departed the live the series over creative differences, but reiterated that executive producer Dan Lin and his production company uh, Rideback remain attached to the series, as is Nickelodeon. Uh, this, according to IGN. So, I you know, hopefully it's not terrible because a lot of folks they hired are still there. But anytime you have the original creators leave due to creative differences, yeah, not a not a good look. It's not a good look. You can go through the history of time about that. Yeah, one. no, it's not. Uh, moving on to some Arrowverse CW news, Ruby Rose did an interview and gave a little more of an explanation why she left the Batwoman after one season. Hmm. Uh, she did an interview with Entertainment Weekly and elaborated basically why she decided to hang up uh, the cape and cowl uh, ahead of the second season. And, and, and the uh, back injury she suffered uh, while filming did that play a significant role in it. Uh, she said, quote, being the lead of a superhero show is tough. Being the lead in anything is tough. But I think in that particular instance, it was more, it was a lot more difficult because I was still recovering from my surgery. I had my surgery and then 10 days later I went to work, which maybe wasn't the best idea. Most people take about a month or three off before they return to work. So it was definitely made more difficult by that. But as far as being a lead of a show or film, regardless if it's action or if it's emotional, in whichever ways, it's taxing, close quote. So, yeah, for those who may uh, not remember, she underwent emergency surgery last year because after herniating two discs uh, from doing some stunt work on the show, and she, which uh, triggered a pre-existing injury to flare up. And she was in constant pain uh, with her, you know, and it was in at risk of her spinal cord being severed and paralyzing her. Mm-hmm. So got injured her back, went to surgery and then was back to work 10 days later. Yeah. So I, I understand why you, you could understand. And, and you know what? It's going to be a different director of the show. Mm-hmm. They've written it off that if they wanted to bring her back mm-hmm. in some capacity, they can. Yeah. So I get it. Yeah. Um, it is what it is. Yeah. So be very interesting to see, uh, like I say, when Fandom comes out with the new direction, it's going to be for Batwoman. Yeah. I can imagine we're going to hear something down there. I would imagine so. Yeah, they have so much lined up for that. It's yeah. ridiculous. Yeah, moving on to some film news. Uh, I'm no meteorologist, but uh, the weather forecast for hell is is a blizzard because, ladies and gentlemen, hell has frozen over. Go uh, on. Disney has reportedly told exhibitors the new mutants will still release in theaters this month as originally planned. Uh, according to Vari- a report from Variety says that Disney sent an email to exhibitors on Monday, August 10th, uh, with detailed theatrical plans and more, including the news that theaters can begin selling tickets to the movie on August 18th. So holy shit, it might actually be coming out. I'm going to be there. I won't. I, I know I'll be by myself in the theater um, if it's going to be open. Because I know Regal has talked about it, uh-huh. so I have to wait to see if our local theater is going to be open for that. I it, listen. If it's going to ever appear, it's going to be like watching a unicorn. I may never see it again. Well, here's the thing: I was wondering, and I saw somebody poke fun at this. Somebody poke fun at this, saying, "Oh, it'll be on Disney Plus two, three weeks later." Like, if anybody out in the ODPH society knows, what's the shortest amount of time a movie can be in the theaters? Because I think this may be it. I think it's a week. <laughs> so this, I, I'm going out on a limb. This movie's going to be in theaters for a week, and then they're going to dump it on Disney Plus or Hulu. Yeah, I was because I, because I, because of the pre-existing 
uh, deal with HBO and all that other nonsense. It has to debut in theaters. Yeah. It, this is going to be in theaters for the shortest amount of time possible, and then they're going to dump it on whatever streaming service they can. Because they're not going to make any money back on this. No, no, they're not. It's been delayed so many times and all the other nonsense that I don't think anyone honestly wants to see it. Well, it, there was there a market for it and an audience for it? Absolutely. You know, between the horror aspect and the comic aspect, when it came, when it was supposed to come out two, three years ago, absolutely. I think it's at the point nobody cares. I think it's it it is and it isn't, and I'll, I'll break down why because this is actually a serious take on this. Mm-hmm. I think had movie theaters not shut down with everything with COVID, sure, I think this would have gotten long forgotten. And I Probably. do agree. With you. I think the audience is not there, but I think, in my own opinion here. I think if theaters are going to be open uh-huh. and people feel comfortable enough to go to it, sure, there's still something about seeing a brand new movie at a movie yeah. theater. Yeah. So I think that there'll be some excitement for it. Am I saying it's going to be widespread? Oh, hell no. no. Oh, no. Hell no. No, I'm probably going to be the only one in the theater watching it. Probably. But I think that there is that aspect that you have to think about for a little, a little bit. I think more people are going to wait to see it come out on video Yeah. or uh, streaming. So it's going to be, like I say, it'll be very intriguing when mm-hmm. that comes out. I'm definitely excited to see it just because I I, I need to see if this is actually going to happen. Mm-hmm. If it's, if I'm ever going to be in a movie theater to see it. And yeah. then, you know, we'll go from there of how yeah. bad. Yeah. Uh, switching over to some video game news, uh, Microsoft announced a couple of different things. Uh, firstly, the, they confirmed the Xbox Series X will launch in November of this year. Mm-hmm. So Xbox fans, get your wallets ready, mark your calendars, or mark your, well, get ready to mark your calendars. Uh, also, they announced that Halo Infinite has been delayed from its planned holiday 2020 launch to an unspecified 2021 uh, release date. Uh, Xbox did not, confer- did not confirm a release window other than next year, uh, basically saying that the delay comes, quote, as the result of multiple factors that have contributed to development challenges, including the ongoing COVID-related impacts affecting us all this year, close quote. So definitely some sad news, you know, happy and sad news if you're an Xbox fan. Happy news because you got a a release window for for the console. A little bittersweet because I know a lot of people were going to be looking forward to getting that Halo game for for Christmas. Yeah, I was waiting on that. Um, I still need to go get a new system. Mine is is going by the wayside very, Uh. very quickly, so... Yeah, I'm going to definitely be stocking up on that. And if I got to wait for Halo, I'll wait for Halo. Yeah. As long as it's getting Justice 3 sometime in 2021, I'll be happy. Yeah, no, and, and it's, it's as the saying goes, it's better to wait for a game and have it polished than have it come out rushed and be an absolute pile of crap. Yeah, I agree with you there. Uh, and other video game news, the next Bioshock game uh, may not be taking place in its previous settings of Rapture or Columbia uh, if recent job listings are to be believed. Uh, game Byte originally reported on Monday that the studio that behind the next Bioshock game, which is Cloud Chamber, has several job listings that appear to kind of hint at where the team is looking to do uh, with the next game in the series. Uh, the listings ask for experience with Unreal Engine 4 and experience in scripted cinematic sequences, amongst other things. The listing also mentions, quote, a new and fantastical world. Hmm. Hmm. So looks like the next Bioshock game is maybe not any immediate future if they're just doing job listings or what what have you, but not uh, something we haven't previously seen, which, you know, and I'm all right with that. You know, it's good to have some variety and not go to the same places every time when it comes to uh, sequel video games. Yeah, you got to switch it up. Yeah. I mean, if it's the same thing, it's like, why would people buy it? Mm-hmm. Uh, also, in some video game news, this one very shocking. Uh, Street Fighter producer Yoshinori Ono is leaving Capcom after almost 30 
years. Get out. Woo, yeah, so uh, according to the article on IGN.com, Street Fighter producer and Capcom developer Yoshinori Ono has announced that he will be resigning from the company he's worked with for almost 30 years this summer. Uh, he took to Twitter to explain his decision, and he began by bringing up the challenges that the COVID-19 pandemic have brought upon the world and how it has impacted the Capcom Pro Tour and its format for 2020. He then moved on to talk about his departure and described how much Street Fighter and its community have meant to him, saying, quote, I have been with the Street Fighter brand for a long time, experiencing good times, bad times, and even non-existent times. My heart is filled with appreciation to those players who have been giving warm and kind support on the brand, especially little over the past decade or so, as all the activities on the Street Fighter brand regained sunshine and grew its liveliness. And now, after serving almost 30 years at Capcom, I am leaving the company this summer. This means that I will resign my position as the brand manager for Capcom's various titles, including Street Fighter. Capcom staff and in the new generation will continue taking care of the Street Fighter brand and leading the World Warriors, and I do believe that they will continue making Street Fighter extraordinary. Uh, I will look forward to seeing the new Street Fighter brand and how it's doing going to be expanded as just one of the regular gamers next time around. Close quote. So definitely very shocking. If if there's anyone who you know attached to a video game series, you know you think of uh, Mario and, and Zelda and a lot of bunch of others, but. Man, Yoshinori Ono leaving Capcom. Oof. That's yeah, that's a big deal. If you're not too familiar, he is Street Fighter. Mm-hmm. He is Capcom. Like yeah. that's that's huge. Yeah. And I mean, wow, 30 years. Man. Man. Mm-hmm. That's just trying to wrap my head around that is is yeah, no, it's, it's absolutely wild. Uh, also, in some more video game news, we got a kind of an update to one we mentioned a couple weeks or maybe even a month or so ago. Uh, talked about the possibility that Warner Brothers Interactive, which is the gaming portion of Warner Brothers Media, Warner Media, may, which includes uh, studios such as Rocksteady, NetherRealm, may not actually be up uh, currently up for sale. Okay. So this is according to a new statement from Warner Media CEO Jason Kalar. Uh, that they may not be sold for now. Uh, he sent out a Warner Media organization update uh, back on Friday, August 7th, and he gave it extensive updates as to the future plans of the company, uh, as well as to who will be leading certain divisions. In that letter, he mentioned that, quote, Warner Brothers Interactive remains a part remains part of the studios and networks group. Uh, and then he went on to say to Deadline, uh, we have a very strong interactive team of about 2,000 software developers that tell interactive stories. The opportunity to go, go, to go global with that is very very big as well so it appears that you know despite previous reports uh, they may not be dead very interesting news there yeah no huge huge news uh sticking with the video game news i know you and i are very excited about this one out of the blue we finally figured out what in god's name rocksteady's been doing all these years since the end of uh, the batman arkham series been rumored for a while they've been working on something i know superman's come up at one point or yep. very often uh suicide squad has been rumored for a while and, and everyone's kind of been waiting oh maybe they'll show up this year maybe they'll announce it this year out of the blue it got dropped they're working uh, on the rocksteady studios twitter account they tweeted quote target locked hashtag dc fandom august 22nd hashtag suicide squad game with a photo of what appears to be superman could be bizarro. Never know because the yeah. per- the person's facing forwards and you can't see anything. Uh, with a target on said character's head, with an interlocking uh, X spelled out with Suicide Squad. So we know what they're doing. Very excited to hear about this. Uh, I if I'm heard some rumors about what the game is about. Amanda Waller is, is putting tax, Task Force X mm. going after the Justice League. Uh, 
if that is the case, get Viola Davis to do the voice. Oh, yeah. Because Viola Davis is Amanda Waller. Yeah, no question or, about that. Or the, or the woman who voiced her in the animated series. I'll take either one. Yeah. They both are very good. I'm excited about this game. I yeah. mean, Rocksteady has done an real good. amazing job yeah. with the Batman series. So. Yeah. This I'm expecting to be a, a knockout of the park, and, mm-hmm. and then I mean, depending on what lineup they want to go with, to with yeah. the Suicide Squad, yeah, definitely super excited about this. Yeah, super super excited. Yeah, and then in some shocking Doctor Who news, because holy shit, who saw this one coming? Yeah, uh, nobody. Uh, Chris, for those who are Doctor Who fans, Christopher Eccleston is returning as the Ninth Doctor. Somebody check my pulse. Is hell frozen over again? I think so. I think so. <laughs> yeah. So uh, for those who, who remember, uh, Christopher Eccleston issued in the new age of new era of Doctor Who way back in, God, what was it, 2005? Yeah, I believe. 2005, after a brief hiatus of the show, only did one season, you know, one, one and done, and has had nothing to really do with the series ever since. You know, they had the 50th anniversary show where they were having all the living doctors appear on screen and some, and even the ones who weren't uh, there on screen, he turned it down. Uh, now, it, but now it's been announced that Eccleston will return to the role of the ninth doctor after 15 long years for a new ninth doctor audio series from BBC studios and big finish. Uh, the series will feature uh, f- 12 full cast audio adventures due to be released across four box sets, starting with volume one in May 2021. Uh, Eccleston said, quote, after 15 years, it will be exciting to revisit the ninth doctor's world, bringing back to life a character. I love playing close quote, which so holy shit, he's coming back. I had a weird hunch mm-hmm. that when he did the panel at New York Comic Con last mm, year, yeah, that something was coming. Like I, but I couldn't like figure out what because, mm-hmm. like you touched upon, he has not been very pro about no. doing anything Doctor Who. No, and, and you know he's not exactly crapped on it. He's just no, like, no, no, he, no. He's just like, hey, I did my one season, and I and I felt I did everything with the character that I could, and I decided to move on. But it was something he said in that panel that I thought was like very interesting. Like, no, I'm talking. I'm talking previous. He's no, that's the thing. He's never done anything Doctor Who since he left right. in 2005, 2006, whatever it was. But he's never shit on it. He's never said, oh, Doctor Who is awful. It's, you know, I regret doing it, blah, 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 blah. No, he's been like, you know what? I enjoyed doing it. I did the one season because I felt I took the character as far as I could and I decided to move on. Yeah. And that's been the end of it. But like I said, there was a 50th anniversary where they united Matt Smith and David Tennant, which two doctors on screen together had never been done before, I think. Mm. You know, and they were getting that opportunity to like, hey, let's get all the living doctors on screen together as many as we can. You know, I remember at one point, one of the previous actors on Doctor Who was filming uh, a Hobbit movie at the same time in New Zealand, had to leave New Zealand, fly to London, film his scene for the Doctor Who anniversary special, and then probably fly all the way back to New Zealand to keep filming the Hobbit. You know, so they got as many as they could there, and but except for Eccleston, Uh, Eccleston's likeness appeared on screen but it was like the back of his head or something yeah it was some kind of wild like yeah that. yeah like i said i don't know i just had this, like a vibe like something was in the works but i could never figure out what because mm-hmm. something he was talking about like the way he was talking and like he, it was almost like yeah you know reminiscing a little too much like i'd love to come back i just don't mm-hmm. know how yeah so this though yeah nobody saw it coming yeah and then lastly and shocking things that are coming back that i'm real excited for uh it's been announced that after 22 years since the final episode of animaniacs it's coming back oh boy release date on hulu for november 20th uh saying quote hulu amblin television and warner brothers animation are proud to unveil a brand new version of the iconic family-friendly cartoon series for the whole family as the warner siblings yakko and wacko and the warner sister dot have a great time wreaking havoc and mayhem in the lives of everyone they meet said hulu in a statement 
I am super excited about this. I ha- I got to admit, I knew this was coming. Uh, it was announced back in 2018, I want to say, that uh, Amblin Television and Warner Brothers and Hulu were partnering up for joint ventures. So everyone kind of wondered, hmm, those are, all the, those are two of the studios that were uh, responsible for Animaniacs. Could something be in the works? flashback to uh, October of 2017 at New York Comic Con Mm -hmm. when I went to a panel involving some uh, voice actors. Nolan North was there. Uh, Jess Harnell, who plays uh, Wacko on Animaniacs, was there. John DiMaggio was there. Uh, Rob Paulson, who plays Yakko, was there. And, you know, uh, side story, somebody got Rob Paulson to do part of his Countries of the World song, which Mm -hmm. I got to hear. I got to hear part of that in person, which was the greatest experience of my life. Mm -hmm. But after he did that, uh, Jess Harnell, the voice of Wacko in the show, goes, hey, how many Animaniacs fans do we have here in the audience? And, of course, pandering. Everyone cheers. He goes, and then he goes, how how many of you would like to see some more Animaniacs, new episodes? And, again, pandering. Everyone goes nuts. So after he says, how many of you would like to see more Animaniacs episodes, He people cheer, and then he says in the wacko voice, be careful what you wish for. So this this got kind of teased, in, but didn't kind of make it out back in 2017. So very excited for this to happen. I love Animaniacs. It was one of my favorite shows growing up, you know, with everything there, including Pinky and the Brain. You know, what oh, are, Pinky and the Brain so good. What, what are we going to do? What are we going to do tomorrow night, Brian? The same thing we ever do every night, Pinky. Try to take over the world. So cannot wait for this. Got my calendar circled. November 20th. I am super excited. Yeah, we'll definitely. We'll have to give a little uh, recap on the show. Yeah, no. I should mention, if you have Hulu, uh, it is available on Hulu. All right, there we go. Definitely good stuff for that. All right, so let me close out the show with a couple quick comic notes. Sure. So hitting the shelves this week. DC's Dark Dark Knight's Death Metal number three. Oh boy, enough said. You, oh you, boy, you know my love affair with that one. And for the Marvel side, Pat, I don't know if you saw the cover for this Star Wars Darth Vader number mm-hmm. four. Oh my, yes, where he's holding light or uh, Padme, Padme, her ghost. Yes, wow, that's kind of that's, might that's, have to check that out. That's like my cover of the week. Wow, but my pick for Marvel. Marauders number eleven. Okay, one of the best books, if not the best book of the X Men line. Like that next force for me has been like okay. one one A one B. So if you want to head to your local comic shops, definitely take a listen to Cheers of Comics first, the Wednesday pull list. So many good comic podcasts, Ghost of Stratosphere out there too, breaking down everything you need to know. Comic book keepers, man, I could keep going on and on. That, and also a recommendation for me because I've been finally getting around to check him out. Uh, Batman: The Adventure Continues, which is the continuation of Batman: The Animated Series. Oh, got through the first couple of first two issues. Uh, we're going to read the third issue tonight. Uh, real good. Uh, one sentence teaser. They introduced Deathstroke. All right, you have me there. Which is nothing they ever did in any of the Batman animated series iterations. So, holy crap, it's real good. The more Slade Wilson, the better. Uh huh. And let me end with talking about the spoiler free Doom Patrol season finale. Okay. Now, we were talking about everything going on with the DC Universe, and obviously the end is very near for that service. But one of the shining moments of that service has been Doom Patrol. Yeah. And I, if you're not a fan of them, they are a very quirky team. They're a more fragile, fragile, fractured version of the X-Men mm-hmm. to more a degree than you can ever fathom. Season one was a surprise hit because nobody really knew how this was going to come across. And it came across like a Grant Morrison comic come to life. If you're into Grant Morrison's writing, this was a perfect show for you. If you're not really a fan of his, it still works. Season two did not fail to deliver. 
You saw so much emotional growth from all the characters. It was another home run out of the park. Diana Guerrero, who plays Crazy Jane on the show, needs to be nominated for an award. That's all. That's all. Okay. I'm going to say right now. Like, her performance of balancing out all the different personalities that she has inside her is absolutely mind-blowing. And I thought she had a really strong season this year. Uh, April Balby, who plays Rita Farr, a.k.a. Elastigirl, um, she had a lot of character moments and a lot more growth this year, too, which which I think she needed. And I know they had to shut down the season episode early because of COVID. Sure. So we didn't get the full payoff. But where they left it, it definitely showed the team – in that transition mode, like, okay, where are we going from here? Mm-hmm. And I know they focus a lot on the Chiefs' daughter this year, which some people like, some people didn't, just from the, the fans I've talked to online about mm-hmm. it. But every character on the show had some growth and had some definite character-building moments. Matt Bomber, who plays uh, Negative Man, stood out yet again, had a great performance. Brendan Fraser as Cliff Steele, Robot Man. Yeah. And coming to grips with... Him having a daughter who's grown up and now where she is now having a, a child of her own and, and trying to be the father he never was. Great character moments throughout the year. Jovian Wade is Vic, Vic Stone. He is Cyborg. Okay. I'm already saying it right now. Love his portrayal. Everything they did this season, they really ran with the Grant Morrison run uh, so much. I mean, I, they had the Candlemaker as the main protagonist this season. They also had... Um, Oh, Red Jack, who, I mean, if you read Doom Patrol, you know the history of that character as well. So much going on with this show. I've heard rumors it has been announced for two more seasons to be renewed. I have not heard official confirmation, but everybody is saying the same thing. The ratings have, from all I've been able to hear, has been very, very good for them on HBO Max and uh, DC Universe. So definitely want to see more of that. And if you haven't seen the show... It's it gets weird, it gets wild, but it's definitely worth your while. And if there's gonna be one lasting legacy of the DC universe with me, it produced a great Doom Patrol show. Okay, never thought I'd be living in this age where I'd see that. But hey, they proved me right wrong, and I I can't be more happy to be wrong about this situation. So definitely go start streaming it as soon as possible on HBO Max and DC Universe if you are still a subscriber. So that all being said, you know who else is big Doom Patrol fans? Who's that? Shout out to Robots. And I would love to get Julian on here to talk Doom Patrol. That might happen. I don't know. i got to see what schedules are working out. But they have so much going on over at Shout uh, that I am not allowed to talk about right now. Uh Uh-oh. But it is definitely worth your time to go check them out. How do you find out about them? OchoDuroParleyHour.com slash music. You can find out about them, Floodlands, Fair City Fire, Second Suitor, Yard Party, Tom Jolu. The list goes on and on and on. All the great music you hear on the ODPH podcast is at one place to check out. Also on OchoDuroParleyHour.com, you can check out all the amazing pod groups we are in via their Podchaser pages. You can check out friends of the show, such as Tom from Off the Cuff Gaming, who Pad still has not accepted that apology. Nope. Doesn't think it's going to happen, Tom. you got to step that game up. You can find out our friend Johnny Moose, who's doing Excite Wrestling. You can find organizational links to Black Lives Matter. You can find organizational links supporting voter registration. All of this can be found on the ODPH directory. All of this, plus Parlay Points, which we're redoing the blog section. Going to have some stuff coming out in a little while. Don't want to spoil that too much. Links to twitch.tv slash 607podcast, where we're going to be doing the wrestling show with our friends over at 3 Fat Nerds Podcast each and every Thursday night, Eastern Standard Time. So you never know who's going to jump in the stream. You never know who's going to have something to say, talking some wrestling. So 
you definitely want to stay tuned for that. And this week, we're going to be doing some more coverage of the UFC big uh, fight card that's coming up. Yeah. UFC 252. So if you're into sports, you definitely want to stop by the stream. You just want to stop by and say hi. You can do all that and so much more at OchoDuroParleyHour.com. That's all I got for this week. So for the one and only Padawan J. 77 days in, still no HBO Max app on Roku or Amazon Fire Stick. 28 days in, still no uh, Peacock app on Am- Roku or Amazon Fire Stick. Nobody does it better with the stats than the one and only Padawan J. I'm your host, Ken M. Thank you, as always, for listening to the ODPH podcast, better known as the Ocho Duro Parlay Hour. See you next time. Uh-huh.